Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Through the some of the book of book of Acts, particularly in the early part of Acts, and uh, and, and I love the way the early church is so bold in everything they do, the, the way they grew, the way they got established uh, to build the church and the kingdom of God, and, and and we're talking about this morning something that is an interesting one, and I've called it bold compassion. I think it is bold compassion, but it's interesting to call compassion bold. It sort of it doesn't quite you know fit exactly but uh but the truth is bold compassion is exactly what jesus had he had bold compassion for people and and i believe that's the way the early church operated and started with this bold compassion and love for people and i want to look again at the story of peter and john and the crippled man at, at the temple uh, and it's in acts 3 and uh i, I i'll I think I've got a screen for this as well, and I'll read it. Now, this is our The Passion Translation, actually. It's, it's got a, some nice touches to it. It says this. One afternoon, Peter and John went to the ta- temple for three o'clock prayer. Now, remember, they prayed three times a day in the morning, three o'clock, and then in, at dusk. As they came to the entrance, so it's the entrance called the Beautiful Gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. They were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth being carried and placed at the center of the entrance of the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money, so he's there often. This time they were captured, and he was begging for money for those who go to worship. Then he noticed Peter and John going to the temple. He begged them for money. Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, said, Look at us. Expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. Then Peter said, I don't have any money, but I give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And Peter put out his hand and, and, and helped this guy get up, and the power came into his legs, and he's able to walk, and, and, and he, he's jumping up and down, and, and there was a, an absolute celebration around because th- th- everyone recognized this is the guy that was crippled, was out the front. And now look at him. He's walking, he's jumping, he's yelling, he's, 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 he's amazing. And they're amazed at what happened. And the part I want us to really to look at and focus on this morning is Peter and John were captured by the sight of this crippled man. And then Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, they said, look at us. And there's something about compassion and our eyes. There's something about compassion and the way we look at situations, at people, at at things in our lives. There's there's something about the way we do that, that compassion is is captured somehow in our eyes. See, because it's so easy to pretend not to see stuff. Hmm. It's so easy not to make eye contact with people or a person who's in need. It's so easy to be busy. It's so easy. And if we don't see them, guess what? We don't feel bad about it. Oh, I didn't really see them. I didn't really see that situation. I didn't notice that. No, I didn't really see that. There's something about compassion in our eyes connected together. 
Because when we, when we see something, then it's a choice whether we respond or not. Hmm. So the eyes are the lamp to the body is the way Jesus puts it. Or perhaps you could say the eyes are the window to our soul. And here's the truth. True compassion demands action. True compassion demands action. You can't and don't have compassion unless you take action upon what you see. You can say you care but not act, but to not act is not to care at all. To say you care but not act is not to care at all. And so often we, we, we can see stuff and we don't respond the way I think Jesus might want us to, me included. So many times when you, you know, particularly when we're overseas, not so much here in the Bay, of course, but someone who's, who's begging for money and you, you sort of give a half-hearted look in the pockets, go, have I got any cash? No, I haven't. Sorry, mate, you know. And, and, and I've got convicted by that stuff. You know, you walk away, you go, man, Greg, seriously, what, what, what are you doing? Get your notes out. You know, like forget the coins, you know. And here's an interesting story. It's from the early 1800s, and it's American, but it's a good story. There's an old guy, and he was waiting this night, this cold winter's night. He's waiting to cross the river. And this is in the 1800s, so obviously there wasn't many bridges and that sort of stuff. He was frozen half to death. He knew he couldn't get across this river by himself. You know, he'd die. So he was just waiting for someone to come along in a cart or a horse so he could jump on and get a lift over. Many horsemen went past and, uh, and finally this, this last group of horsemen came and the last guy in this group, uh, the, the old man caught his, his eye and, uh, and he said this, Sir, would you mind giving an old man a ride to the other side of the river because it seems there is no other way to cross. Horseman said, yeah, sure. And he helped him onto the horse and, uh, and the horseman not only took him across the river but he took him to where his home was which was many miles away. Nearing their destination where, where he lived, the, the horseman sort of, sort of had a question. He said, um, Sir, why did you allow many horsemen to ride past before asking for a ride? And the old man, as the old man lowered himself from the horse slowly, he looked the rider straight in the eyes and replied, I've been around these here parts for some time. I reckon I know people pretty well. I looked in the eyes of the other riders and immediately saw that there was no concern for my situation. It would have been useless to even ask them for a ride. But when I looked in your eyes, kindness and compassion were evident. I knew then and there that your gentle spirit would welcome the opportunity to give me assistance in my time of need. Those heartwarming comments touched the horseman deeply. I'm most grateful for what you have said, he said, he told the old man. May I never get too busy in my own affairs that I fail to respond to the needs of others with kindness and compassion. And with that, Thomas Jefferson turned his horse to go back to the White House, is where he, where he lived, the third president of the United States. And, and I think that's a stunning story. People can see our compassion through our eyes and our demeanor, but they actually judge it by our actions. They actually judge it by our actions how we respond, how we help. To say you care but not act is not to care at all. You know, we can say we care, but if we're do, not doing something about it, guess what? That's not compassion. That's not love. That's not caring. 
you know, there's, there's a, we're talking about bold compassion here this morning. So I wanted to look at the Greek word for compassion. It is a nasty word. It, it is a, a crazy word. Did I put it up on the screen? I think I did. Now, I'm going to try and say this. Splachnisomea. That's how you say it. That's, I actually looked this up because I knew it was one of those words you go, I haven't got a clue how you'd even pronounce that. Splachnisomea. That's how you actually pronounce it. It means to have, listen to this, to have your bowels yearn, to feel deep sympathy, to be moved to action. You know that feeling? You know? Down low? But, but really, you know, the truth is, is actually, where, where, you know when you get those, those shocks, those, those things of, oh, my goodness, look at that situation. It actually gets you right down in your guts. There's this, this thing that happens in us that, that affects us down there, and, and particularly in Old Testament times, but, but even in these times, that was the way they thought that's where emotions were, were in our guts. And in fact, I think there's a lot of truth in that. If you have a look at people with, with um, different nervous conditions, a lot of it's based in the guts. When the guts aren't right, our, our physical being isn't good. And, and there's something about that connection to, to our guts. And this is how our bowels yearn to feel deep sympathy, to move into action right down inside of us. And that's when we react with compassion, when we have that yearning in us, that, that, that reaction and we can read about Jesus' compassion for people over and over and over again. I could have given you 20 examples of this. I'll just give you a few. Matthew 14, 14. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crown. He had compassion on them. Splachni somia. He had down in his guts on them and healed their sick. Matthew 20, 34. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, immediately they received their sight and followed him. And Mark 6, 34, When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. See, compassion and then action. Compassion and then action. Compassion means nothing if it's not met with action. And um, it's one thing to feel or have compassion for a situation. But if we don't take action, it means nothing. It doesn't show compassion. It shows our indifference to that situation. And the apostles took action in their compassion for this crippled man that we've just read the story of. It says a little bit later on when they're defending themselves before the uh, Sanhedrin, they said, you know, this was just an act of kindness, guys. Like, what are you getting out of shape about? Yes, it was a miracle, but it was just an act of kindness. They showed compassion to this man, and now he could walk. Jesus took Action in his compassion for people, for children, for the blind, for the lepers, for the prostitutes, for the people that society rejected. He would demonstrate that compassion every time he was confronted with the opportunity. He would have compassion and take action. And I believe that we as a church have the same opportunity to show the same, exactly the same compassion of Jesus in our community and in our world. You see, our community, our neighbours don't want to know what we know until they know that we care. They don't care what we do here on a Sunday. They don't care what their programs are. They don't care what we do. But they only care. Do they only want to know? Do you care? Do you really care about me, or is this just some facade? Our compassion will demonstrate 
how genuine and authentic we are. You see, I know we can all get caught in this trap, but sometimes we think it's just a matter of somehow getting a, the, the carrot out and, and, and trying to trick people to get them in the church. It's not about that. You see, that is sometimes our motivation and it's wrong. And of course we want to see them saved. Of course we want to see them going on for God. Of course we want to see them um, you know, with eternal life, with Jesus in heaven. Of course we want to do all that. But our motivation has to be compassion. It has to be love. It has to be care that, that we want God's best for them, for God's goodness and mercy to be in their lives. You know, they can, they can have that safety and that protection, that provision, that blessing and that favor that comes with the, the kingdom of God. You know, you were lost, but now you're found. You see, that's the compassion. And of course, when we invite people to church or, or any situation like Wotato or whatever, if, if there's so much more power with our invite, if it's been accompanied with compassion, if it's not just come to church with me, like, and that's a good thing to do. I'm not saying don't do that. But if it's been accompanied by compassion preceding that, I'm telling you that invite has got so much more power in it right there. You know, we're looking at a story in Luke 10 this morning, and it's a well-known story, you'll know it. But before we get to that, there's something earlier in the chapter of chapter 10, and it's when Jesus sends the 72 out. He sends them out two by two, and he gives them a, a very clear model of evangelism. And he says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he gives us this model. He says, go into their house, go in their home, go to where they are and bless them. Bless them. Wherever they are, whatever they're going through, bless them. You know, whatever you can do, just bless them. Bless them big time. And then it continues. And he says, serve them. Whatever their need is, whatever is happening in their lives, serve them. Come on, get, 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 a, get some serving in this time, submission, and actually serve them, you know? Not just tell them what to do, serve them. And then pray for them, pray for healing, pray for their situation, pray for breakthrough, pray for their kids, pray for their marriage, whatever it is, pray bold prayers, compassionate bold prayers over them, for them, for their kids, for, for their, their finances, relationships, whatever it is. And then you earn the right to share the good news of Jesus to them. You earn the right to tell them about the kingdom of God. So we bless them, we, 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 we serve them, we pray for them, and then we earn the right to tell them about Jesus. And that's a compassionate heart. That actually puts the right things in the right place. You know, we don't just turn up and preach at people, and I know not many people here would do that. But it's not the right way. It's not Jesus' model for evangelism. It's not the way he wants us to do it. You know, we, we need to be a compassionate people. We need to look around in our world and realize that there's need everywhere. And sometimes we can be the ones to meet that need. And you can't be, you know, you can't need, meet everyone's need. I understand that. But you've got to listen to God and what he's telling you to do. And so often we, we don't get the results we hope for with people and evangelism, because we're not prepared to put the foundation in first. We want the shortcut. We want the short, the easy way through. You know, I'll ask them to church, they didn't come. <laughs> you know, that's it. Done. I'm done with that. It's embarrassing. You know, no, no. Bless them. Serve them. Pray for them. Tell them about Jesus. 
Why am I doing this? Because of Jesus. He did it for us. I'm doing it for you. See, that's compassion. That's the true, I don't know, just the motivation for reaching people. It's got to be out of compassion. Anyway, this morning we're looking at this story of the Good Samaritan. And I know straight away as I say this story, you know, all you people have been in church for a long time. Go, oh, I know this story inside out. Can't possibly learn anything out of this. Suspend your disbelief for a second, will you? And, uh, and let's lean into what God says. You know, this is the Word of God. And, uh, and I pray it does bring something new and fresh for you this morning. And to set this story up, um, the teacher of the law is trying to test Jesus. And he, and he asks him, you know, what must I do to be saved? What, what, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what does the law says? And he, he, he says, oh, well, I know that. Love the law, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he tries to justify himself because Jesus says, yep, that's right. He says, well, yeah, 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 but Jesus, and he's still trying to test Jesus, remember. He's trying to catch him out. Well, um, who is my neighbor then? And he thinks he's been pretty smart with, with this. And uh, um and here's the truth. So many people want to justify their actions. So many people uh, want to justify their lack of action or whether they're right or wrong by trying to justify themselves. Anyway, this is how Jesus responds to the teacher of the law with this, this um, story of the Good Samaritan. It's Luke 10, verses 30 to 32. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell in the hands of the robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and then he saw the man. He passed by the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by the other side. And I don't know about you, but I've missed so many opportunities in God not to respond with compassion, you know, because I didn't want to get involved. I was running late. I have to be here. I have to do this. And blocked my compassion path completely. And we'll always have an excuse to justify not getting involved. The truth is, we'll always find an excuse. We'll always be able to justify not getting involved. You see, the priest and the Levite, they may have both felt good reasons, good, good justifications for why they shouldn't get involved. You know, maybe it's a trap. Maybe he deserves it. I'm running late. I can't touch this man. He's dirty and that'll make me unclean. You know, someone else will do it. Someone else will fix him up. And we can always justify our actions or lack of actions for not getting involved, a lack of compassion. But here's the thing. If we even just pause for a second to allow the Spirit of God to speak to us, to speak to our spirit, not, not our carnal man, not our, our natural man, to our spirit, and ask how he would want us to respond. Do we even allow eye contact? Do, do we even open ourselves to... God, what would you want me to do here? You know, or do we make that decision out of our natural man, our natural circumstances? I'm running late. What's in it for me? I have to get out, I have to get here. I have to get that. I know. I've been there. I, ex- I exactly get it. But the the Bible's so clear on this. Don't get caught up in the patterns of the world. See, God's word says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, the fear patterns, the selfishness patterns, the busyness patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so we can test and approve God's good and pleasing and perfect will for us. You see, we we get caught up in the patterns of the world and we respond how the world would respond when Jesus says, no, no, it's, it's 
very different to that. Be transformed in your thinking. Think differently about this. Think differently. Think how how would I respond in that? How, how, what would I do in this situation? How would I care for that person? How would I love that person? How would I show compassion to that situation? You see, we need to have this bold compassion. It's something that God wants for each and every one of us, I believe, you know, to work in us and through us in Christ. And, and, and compassion has to be outworked in actions. It can't just be a, a thought or a consideration or a justification. Hmm. Here's some things about compassion to finish off this morning. First thought is compassion interrupts. Compassion interrupts and it's inconvenient. It, it is. You know, Luke 10, 33, 34. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was and when he saw him, he took pity on him. That word pity is actually the same word as compassion. Same, same word. He took pity on him. Now, now remember, this is a Samaritan and this was a Jew that had been beaten up. They were mortal enemies. The, the Jews called the Samaritans dogs. Like the, the Jews hated the Samaritans. They were half Jew and half Gentile. They didn't like them. They, they didn't want to be around them. They didn't want to have anything to do with them. And this is what the Samaritan did. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. You see, compassion interrupts and is inconvenient. See, these guys wouldn't have liked each other in the natural situation. They, they, they wouldn't have hung out. They wouldn't have had anything in common, different customs, different people groups, different lives, different towns. Um, you know, they were enemies. But the Samaritan had compassion on that man and did something about it. He went to him with his own oil and wine. He actually banished him up. He actually did something about it. And then he went to the next level. He put the man on his donkey and took him to an inn to take care of him. And, and so that's my second thought is compassion costs. If you look at verse 35, the next day he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, sorry, took after him. Oh, sorry. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. See, compassion costs us something. It'll always cost us something. It might be time, it might be money, it might be something else for you. For the Samaritan, it was just two silver coins. You go, well, that's not much. Well, it was two days' wages, so it wasn't a little little thing. It was, it was actually pretty significant, really. Plus, I'll reimburse any other expenses. And see, Jesus is sharing this story so we can understand compassion will cost us. It'll cost you, it'll cost me, and it, it'll cost, but it costs Jesus everything. You see, it, it, he knows what it takes. He's got compassion on you and on me, so he did what he did out of compassion, out of love for us. And, and it's a sacrifice, and it might be inconvenient, and it might cost us something, and it might be an interruption to what we think we're supposed to be doing, but we need to respond you know, I remember in the early days of the church, we moved lots of people over the years. And I remember this single mum, this single mum, she uh, needed to move out of her flat. And uh, I remember asking this particular guy in the church, who's been around for a fair while in the church, and I said, hey, you know, we're going to get a few guys together and help this single mum move out of this, this apartment. And, uh, and I remember his response because it sort of shocked me at the time. I, I, I didn't know what to say to it. He said, nah, I'm too busy. Uh, I'd rather pay for a removalist. And I went, ah, oh, I, th- I think that's all right. Like a, a, it was like a shock. And now he didn't pay for a removalist. He didn't mention it again ever. And uh, 
But it actually got me thinking as we were moving this young mum, our actions showed compassion for her. She felt the love of God in that process. And to pay for removals, even as convenient as that might have been, it wouldn't have been the same thing. It wouldn't have been our guys getting together, filling up trailer loads and truckloads of furniture and stuff and taking it to a new place and seeing it out for her. It wouldn't have meant anywhere near the same. You see, the, the, the pay for is just an excuse. And, and we all get busy. I understand that, you know. See, compassion costs. You know, I know our, our girls, our women, have helped so many other women over the years in so many different situations. You know, there's one particular, there was a young a mum, a single mum, well, she wasn't really single, her husband was in jail, but uh, uh, in this situation, it was a horrible situation. There was domestic violence, there was drug addiction, there was, you know, she had to move out of a house where she was and, uh, and the house was just a pigsty, really. It was horrible. And the group of our ladies went round to the house and uh, they probably wouldn't normally enter this house because it was just such a mess. But it was. It was just like a garbage dump, really. And uh, and they cleaned for days and days and days, top to bottom. Cleaned it out so this, this lady, this mum, could actually get, and her kids could get some of her bond back from the house so she could go into the next one. And compassion costs. But here's the truth. We've had multiple, multiple opportunities to minister to that family over the years because of the compassion we've shown. Because of the compa- we've, we've earned the right and, and there's been salvation and there's been helping out their kids in all sorts of horrible situations that I can't go into. Compassion costs, but it's worth it. But it's worth it. And third thought, Compassion changes lives. Compassion changes lives. You see, Jesus was such an amazing example of compassion for each and every one of us. You just read the Gospels and how often he allowed himself to be interrupted and inconvenienced and do things that he, he probably didn't want to do. And it cost him everything for what he did. For his compassion, it cost him his life. He was strung on a cross, murdered for us, for his compassion for us and obedience. And yes, you'd say, well, that's inconvenient. But, but there's a cost in that. But here's the truth. It changed lives. It changed your life. It changed my life. It changed millions of people's lives around this world. Because of his compassion, he showed for us all those years ago and still showing today, it changes lives even today. As we operate in that same compassion, we have the same spirit within us that was with Jesus on that cross. The same spirit dwelling within us. Same compassion, same love. Hmm. You see, here's the truth. The world doesn't see the compassion of Jesus in us. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. Um, what, what kind of church do we really want to be? Like, I just don't want to do a performances on a Sunday. That's not church. That's, the, that's a church service, yes, but it's not church. It's not being the church. It's not being the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. Like, 
And I like getting together with you guys, and I love the worship. This morning I got lost in worship. It was beautiful. It was, it was just lovely. It was a touch of heaven. And I, I enjoy that, and I love that, and I need that. But you know what? The church isn't what we do here on a Sunday morning. It's what we do every other day of the week. It's actually our demeanor, our actions, our, 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 our way we think about things, the way we look at things. It's what we're seeing or not seeing. That's the church in action. That's the compassion of Jesus operating in our community. And, you know, they don't care what we do. They don't care what we know. They don't care what programs we have. We don't, they don't even care what we believe. They do care that we care. They do care that we have got the compassion that is unnatural, not normal, that will go beyond the normal, irrational almost. We're happy to be inconvenienced and interrupted. We're happy for it to, to pay, to cost us something. But I'm telling you, it changes lives. It changes lives because of that compassion within us. You know, the story ends in Luke 10, verses 36, 37. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy, compassion on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, we don't know what happened to that teacher of the law. Maybe he was affected by that story. Maybe he wasn't. But for us, we've got the wisdom of hindsight and going, you know what? We've got an opportunity to make a difference in our world, make an absolute difference in our world. Hmm. What reputation do we want as a church? What do we want to be known for? Like, what do you, what do you, do you want your next door neighbour to know you as that person who's always busy, too busy to talk to them, too busy to give them a hand, too busy to put a hand out and help them? Like, that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? You and me are the church. This building isn't the church. This property isn't the church. This is just where we meet. You and me, we're the church. And how are we reaching out to those people in our world? How are we showing the compassion of Jesus to people in our world? Look, I will finish there, but I'll only take a minute or two. There's an absolute connection between compassion or lack of compassion and unforgiveness. And the Bible shows it over and over again. I've got multiple passages here that I won't read this morning. Just take my word for it, and I can give you the scripture references if you want. Ephesians 4.32 talks about being kind and compassionate, and then says forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Colossians 3.12 talks about you know clothing ourselves with compassion, but bear each other and forgive each other. Forgive one another. And there's something about compassion that... Uh, doesn't seem to coexist with unforgiveness. And I want to say this just to finish. Just, just think, this is unforgiveness. Someone's done something wrong to you, and this represents my unforgiveness. It's, it's not that hard to hold that up. Like That's my unforgiveness in that bubble there. Someone's done wrong, there's my unforgiveness. Now, I can hold that up now, and it's easy to hold up right now. In an hour or so, may not be quite so easy. In a day or two, it's going to get heavier. In a week or so, inconvenient, but you know what? I'm going to hold on to that, in, that unforgiveness. A month or so, it's probably going to start to really hurt. It's going to start to do me damage, really. It's going to, you know, my 
muscles will dwindle and, and pull out ligaments and all sorts of stuff. doesn't weigh much now. Like this is easy to hold on this unforgiveness right now. But in time, that unforgiveness is going to do you damage. And it's exactly the same in our lives, I believe. We can hold on to unforgiveness because it doesn't seem like it's much now. I'm not going to forgive that person. I'm not going to respond in that situation. How dare they? But here's the problem. While we hold on to this unforgiveness, compassion can't coexist with unforgiveness. We need to forgive and move on and let our hearts be softened to the compassion of Jesus in our lives. I believe unforgiveness keeps our hearts hard and, and puts a scale over it and, and, and really doesn't allow to respond to people and situations while we hold on to that unforgiveness. We've got to let unforgiveness go. We've got to let it go. We've got to get rid of it and then let it compassion soften our hearts, start to, to live in the way that Jesus would want us to live, live in a way that, that, that would be compassionate and show our love and our care for people in our world. Don't let unforgiveness hold you back from the compassion Jesus got for you. Forgive, move on, get it out of the way, drop it. Let's be a compassionate church. And the only way we can be a compassionate church is by us being compassionate people. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God. God, we thank you, God. God, I, I pray there's a bold compassion starts to rise up within each one of us, Lord, that, that, that opens our eyes to the needs around us, God. And it may well be in our own family situation. It may well be in, in, in our neighbourhood. It may well be in our work situations. It may be in all sorts of different scenarios, God. But I, I pray, Lord, that we start to look with different eyes, to respond with a different motivation, to, to consider that, yes, it might be inconvenient. Yes, it might be interrupting. Yes, it may cost. But that, that I don't know, that the compassion changes lives, God. And that's what we're here for, as your children, to change lives, to show people Jesus. Father, I, I pray this morning there's a bold compassion comes over this church, God, as we go out of our way to help situations and, and, and people and, and, and things we hear about, God. God, give us that compassion. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Break our hearts for what breaks yours, Lord. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. In Jesus. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.